0: Hey, Rooster Boosters. Welcome back to Rooster Booster Time. This is episode 13, and uh, we have a special guest today with us is Mike Brown. He is a current Rooster, uh, been with the team for two years. I've actually had to um, get to know Mike uh, throughout the season, which is really nice. Uh, uh, trips he didn't make or when he was injured and and just uh, took the time to sit next to me bef- uh, pre-matches and stuff. So it's very nice to, to have you here, Mike. Thank you very much for coming on.
1: Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, Scott.
0: And uh, we're just going to do our regular interview, guys. You, you've seen it before. I've done it with Dylan. I've done it with Will. Uh, we're just going to ask him some straightforward questions, pretty much about you know sports in general, his life in sports. Um, the, the the first question I actually have, Mike, is you had a new, unique situation during this quarantine, this COVID situation, where you actually uh, got married. It, it, I mean, congratulations! No. And just talk about how it went. I mean, it looked it looked good from what I saw. So just expand on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, sort of, you know, how we uh, planned the wedding originally it was supposed to be. Of course, it's around rugby. Uh, it was during our bye week, and I suppose bye week. So we had it all planned and everything for friends and family, uh, teammates show up. Uh, but unfortunately, with the situa- COVID situation, uh, we, you know, had to adjust our venue uh, to one of our uh, the pastor who was marrying us. Um, so the date was important to us. We wanted to get married. So we weren't just going to let, um, you know, the COVID virus. Uh, you know, ruin our day. So we just went along with it. Um, there was like four people there and then the rest were on Zoom and social distancing, of course. And uh, yeah, we went along with it. And I think, uh, you know, I think people were just really wanted positivity at the time and something to root for. So a lot of people who watched it or heard about it were just really positive and just, you know, not a lot of people had positive news at the time. So uh, we were glad we did it.
0: Yeah, no, it looked great. I, I was I was following Chris Matina's, uh, uh Instagram stories, was chronicling your wedding, and he did the typical. He was wearing all of his uppers and then had boxers on, <laughs> on the bottom, um and then he showed you the boxers, which I was like, okay, maybe that's a little too much, Chris. But congratulations, and that's cool. You know, it's a unique thing. That's something you guys are certainly going to remember for the rest of your lives, and maybe, you know, I I being married myself and having all the fanfare and my wa- my wife wanted a large wedding, so that's that's what we did, obviously. Um, it's. I think it's cool to do it the other way too. I mean, circumstances are, are circumstances, and to be honest, it's about you and your wife, you know, becoming a, a you know a, a eternal partnership. So it, it it looked great to me. I'm glad you guys got to do it, and I think uh, it's, it was a good choice in the end.
1: Thanks, uh, yeah. It was uh, you know, it was not what we imagined, but uh, you know, you can always you know you always want to. You could do the ceremony later, and uh, you know, we'll definitely remember it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, you're still in uh, New York City currently?
1: Yep, yeah, still in Manhattan, yep.
0: And um, you said, you mentioned previously that your wife was working from home. So what do you do now? I mean, staying in shape, eating, how do you stay healthy and fit during this quarantine?
1: Yeah, just, uh, you know, during this time, you know, you have a two ways to look at it. You can be really sad, depressed about it, or you can, you know, take, take your punches and get right back up. So just been staying active, doing stuff that I normally wouldn't do, t- learning this time, be like, you know what i have all this extra time because usually just keep on playing rugby you don't have so much time to just absolutely just work on a lot of weaknesses so now i can actually work on those uh and just take advantage of that time uh you know and i have a lot of free time now obviously so um but doing a lot more just stuff working on coaching wise looking at film i uh, always want to make sure that i'm doing you know uh one or two things a day uh to keep my brain just active and then uh, just you know mentally spiritually unwind too. So I've just been working out and uh, you know more time with the wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you could go stir crazy just being in your own head about it. It's funny. Um, uh, a buddy of mine was talking to Nick Feeks, and he was saying that slowly Nola Gold is just they're putting together like a Ford guy workout group and then so like on mondays him and three other guys work out together and then on tuesdays it's it's another group and then and then the week after that they switch it just so the guys kind of stay in tune but i think it's easier for them because most of the rooney guys have have kind of left the city who the people who don't uh, live there year round right
1: yeah most of the boys left the city or even you know guys like nate breakley or you know anthony perry who you know live in manhattan they went up uh, to vermont or new hampshire so I think there's only a couple of us with, uh, you know, my, there's only about a handful of us that are actually yeah. there. And most of those guys who are there, are, you know, working.
0: Yeah. Um, we saw Connor Wallace Sims in his great penthouse apartment while he was playing the virtual MLR. Um, yeah. And that was a
1: – It definitely
0: did. <laughs> <offer>. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly him. what I said. I know, um, I know. And it was – it definitely got the ball rolling with some comments. It was really funny. But, I mean, um, yeah, so I think I think uh, – while quarantine obviously sucks um, for for the Rooney team, I think it's a little tougher because you have so many internationals. A lot of guys, you know, have to go. James Rochford, knock on wood, first flight he took back to Ireland to get with his new family. You know, I was we were all worried about him getting back, and then finally, guys, you know, like Will Leonard and Mark O'Keefe took their time and and got there. So, um, I think that's just one of the things New York Sports is going to run into with rugby because, unlike. NFL, NHL, we don't have quote-unquote international players. Um, everybody stays in the United States de- generally for the offseason. So I think it's definitely unique to rugby, but I don't think it's such a bad thing either. Um, so uh, my next question for you is, who is your sports hero? It doesn't have to be a rugby player. I mean, if it is a rugby player, that's cool. But, you know, who's your sports hero?
1: Um, you know, I love. T- I lo- I was a big Tim Tebow, but a guy that sort of hyped me up now is uh, Brian Dawkins. I love yeah, Dawkins, the Dawkins. A lot of guys, um, you know, before the game, I remember before the Houston game, I was talking to Kirk Hamilton, Robert Meske. I was like – because Mike <laughs> Vick, 30 for 30, came out, and a bunch of us like yeah. to watch it. And I'm like, you know who always makes plays is Brian Dawkins. And then we got this whole debate about Brian Dawkins, and I just love Brian Dawkins. He was always – you know, he's the Wolverine, X-Factor. Yeah. He always made the big play, always made the big hit. He was always energetic, always going crazy, mm-hmm. and uh, just always was prepared to make the big play. So, uh, Brian Dawkins, was, I love him. I
0: love Brian Dawkins. I love that answer. I love Brian Dawkins. I, I I love any I love any strong safety that's gonna come in and just wallop somebody, oh, yeah. whether it's on the run or somebody coming across with that 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 flag route, boom, big hit. I love it. I, I, I coach I coach you know I coach youth football and I tell yep. my kids all the time if you see a guy looking up for a ball as soon as his hands touch that ball just boom. <laughs> oh.
1: Always always <laughs> wasn't afraid to fail. Always made the big play. No. That's what I really liked about him
0: yeah no he's, he's that's a, I love that that pick. um I hate Philly, but I love that pick yeah, uh, yeah. my wife my wife is Philly they're whole sides Philly fans and I'm not even a New York fan for football. I'm actually a Green Bay fan, but there's just a general hate in Philly uh, which goes to you know what I'm gonna ask you a question that's kind of off my list. um do you think Philly is a good market to have an MLR team?
1: um a good, Mark, to have an MLR team. You know, they did have that stadium for the college CRCs that they get a lot. Mm-hmm. Penn State's a good college program with Kutztown. Um, You know, I just don't think the club, club's there. But, it's you know, how it all works, it's just all about where the money's at. So if people mm-hmm. are willing to pony up, then, you know, they have a lot of money, like the Austin owner and the LA owner, then it's probably going to be a good a good market and people are going to show up. Um, you know, it would be closer to, you know, D.C. and New York. And Boston, so yeah, it could be. You need a right right situation. You need someone, you know, ultimately who has the money.
0: It's funny because you talk about the CRC. I mean, they had they've had that event there for years. Um, I went down. It's not actually in Philly. It's oh god, I forgot what the the town is. I watched Saracens play, and it's a sellout crowd, um, and it was a relatively smaller stadium. I I think the big question with Philly is if they get a team, are they going to do this? um, You know, silence for the kicker, quote unquote. That's a that's actually a big, yeah, that's a big deal among the MLR fans. Um, Personally,
1: how to do Philly fans anything? You're not allowed to tell them to do anything. That's when they get mad.
0: Yeah, and and to be honest, personally, I feel like the MLR should build their own culture. You know, it doesn't have to be respect, quote unquote, for the kicker. Because listen, NFL kickers have to do it with eighty thousand fans. So. You know, we have a couple thousand fans. If I'm, I'm not saying go out there and you know talk about his mom, but if you're gonna boo, I think it's socially acceptable to boo in American rugby, like, but that, that's my opinion. I
1: know, uh, no, each thing <laughs> I think has to have their own identity, and you shouldn't just do the same mm-hmm. thing over and over. So, um, you know, if it's American culture, then there we go. You know, there's a reason why we left uh Brennan in the first place, right? Not
0: to <laughs> <them>. <laughs> and not to follow, yeah, not to follow their premiership rugby law, yeah. Um, so my next question is, uh, what is your favorite sports movie?
1: Uh, sports movie. I love Remember the Titans. I love that Denzel uh, with Denzel and just, uh, you know, I could watch that over and over. It was great. Strong side, weak side uh, <laughs> you know, brings people together. I think there's a lot of good concepts in it just, you know, as growing up or just a lot of teammate aspects of it and working together, you know, that's a lot about life too, you know, and even with Rooney, you know, you have so many people from different cultures in there. So I think uh, that just is a very good movie and it's a fun movie to
0: watch. That's a that's a great pick. I think Will Burke and Dylan Foss have both had that as on their list of of movies they like to watch, uh, I wrote sports related. To talk about. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's it's you know what it's good. You guys are all on the same page, so so we, you know we see it happen on the field. So it's good to know that you can do it outside of that too. Um, I'm going with the the, the sports theme here. Um, what's your favorite sports quote? This is a tough one because I know you haven't prepared for any of these questions. But yeah. Favorite sports quote.
1: Uh, like I said, I think, uh, I sort of mentioned on Tebow, I think it's good for this time too. You know, um, I'm not too sure what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. So Mm -hmm. especially during this time, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, we discuss who knows what's going on. Right. So, um, I believe in God and that's a big part of my life. So, um, for me during that time, especially, you know, people look at, um, maybe a rugby player's life and you know they just see the top of the iceberg they don't see what the, anything below you know all the trials and tribulations or just in life in general people in general so that's why you don't really want you shouldn't judge the person from the outside you don't know what they've been through so for that and just an entire my rugby situation um you know things change quickly so that's sort of you know a uh, quote that I sort of rely on
0: Nice. I'm a Tim Tebow fan. Uh, it's great what he does with his foundation where he has that um, international prom night for special needs uh, kids who don't get to go to prom. Um, my wife actually does kind of the same thing in her organization, so it's good to see it on like a big global scale um, where these kids who don't have the opportunity. I mean, it's like – I think it was like 40 countries or something like that, uh, Tim Tebow's foundation has this international prom. So it's great. I mean, he's a he's a good spokesperson. He's a good guy. So yeah, I'm really with you on the Tim Tebow. Um uh didn't and and going back to sports, Michigan beat him as a sophomore in a bowl game, so I'm very happy about that too. I always always go rub blue. that in people's faces. Go blue. Yeah, go blue, baby. Go blue. I love it. Um so what is your favorite pre match meal?
1: Um you know, I'm just pretty basic. You know, I usually like a lot of you know, I'm a big hot sauce guy, but I stay away from hot sauce before a game. I'm yeah. just normally just Chicken and rice, really, maybe this salad. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of stay kind of light, um, you know, and I always like to have, we have these uh, caffeine gum that, pills that we yeah. sort of chew on. So <laughs> that's sort of what I have before, you know, to get a little excited. Like that.
0: My my buddies in the Marines say they're in the MRE kits. Uh, when you get to MRE, they have the caffeine gum. He goes, they love it. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. and, but all the boys love it. All the boys <laughs> love it, it's That's good. great.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's it's funny. When I asked that question, because Dylan Fawcett was my first interview, I was expecting like, you know, I don't know, just well balanced, you know, the typical thing. And he's like, well, I do intermittent fasting. So it depends on what time the match is. And I was like, oh, because, you know, if the match is early in the day, it kind of uh, screws up my, my the way I do my diet. And I'm like, I could see that. And he goes, so usually it's one of those things where I hope it's kind of uh, in the afternoon. That way I could eat what I normally eat and then have a, you know, a quick beer at the social. He goes, if it's at night, I'm totally screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. I mean, it's sensible eating. I think everybody knows, um, and not just professionally. I think guys do this now in the club scene all the way down to high school level. Um, having that overall health conscious approach as an athlete, um, and now that you're you're learning it back uh, as a, a high schooler, um, it's easier to go into college or the pros or, or club scene and say, hey, I can I can continue this and, and do very well with it. Yep. Um, if you could play another professional sport, what would it be?
1: I mean. Oh geez, I, I love the NFL. Like I said, you know, I'm big, you know, I know you're a Packtown Lions fan. I haven't had much success. Oh. But, you know, my buddies and I, we we all watch the draft on the Zoom. So, mm-hmm. growing up in Michigan, you know, big, uh, big NFL guy. So, um, you know, I'd be NFL. Hopefully, a Lions quarterback. You know, but, you
0: know. <laughs> taking him, taking him to a hot eight and eight record. <laughs>
1: Hey, you know, they would take that in Detroit. That's, that's I insane.
0: listen that now that makes the playoffs with the new playoff uh, I know, organization. I know. They, what, they get well, another yeah, they get another shot at it. So any given Sunday, dude, man, trust me. I
1: don't know teams.
0: So if so NFL, so not based on your current fighting height or weight, but uh, ideally, what position would you want to play in the NFL?
1: Uh how's position? I mean, I would go back. I, I do like safety. You know, I like yeah. watching safety plays, like a Brian Dawkins or like an Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, like those mm-hmm. guys, Palamalu, those guys, Ryan Lot. Like those guys, I love watching the highlights. That's yeah. sort of you know when I uh, play Madden, that would be a you know you mm-hmm. should go on safety. So um, like those are the type of guys like I like yeah. you know make the big hit, make the big play because those guys are always everywhere, always yeah. the big play.
0: I, uh, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to coach youth football this season. So I'm kind of getting antsy right. about it. And it's a, that's a real possibility as, as we talked about, we don't know what the, you know, we can't control the unknown, but it's still kind of getting me antsy. Um, and, you know, it, it's, for me, I've always been a big guy. I've always been a lineman type guy. So I, I would probably stick with lineman. I know, I know it a lot and that's what I coach. Um, uh. So it's, it's fun to, uh. To get the little kids to to buy into the system a little bit. So um, here's another question, kind of off the record. So if you could, if you could do one thing to help youth rugby in America, what would it be?
1: Youth rugby in America, uh, I gotta get into schools. You know, yeah. if I could, you know, make sure every you know PE teacher has a rugby ball, then that's what I would do. Um, get in there, get in the youth, and then long with that, tie it in with the school team. Uh, with the youth team. If it's flag rugby, there we go. Um, you know, if it's tackle or whatever, but like having, you know, tie it in with the schools, that's what I would do.
0: Nice. I like that suggestion. I know you and Alex McDonald and, and they had uh, a bunch of the other guys who, who weren't full-time working, uh, go into the schools and, and just throw the ball around with the little kids. And, and I know up here, uh, there's a, a guy, Joel Venables, who's known in the New York rugby community, yeah. him and his wife, <laughs> yeah, Last big second. Joel. He, uh, <laughs> he uh him and his wife got into our local middle school and they just start a rugby club you know twice a week uh an hour after school and they just teach the rules they show little videos and then they throw the ball around and and, and kind of teach the kids just to get into it um i still think that's a little too old i think you have to get it even younger into the elementary schools but i think eventually we'll have that cycle as the mlr starts to take off in, in year four and five um if what I'm, I'm going through my list here, and this this is a good one. I don't know if you have a particular answer for this. It might it might be just a a, a chain an ever changing thing depending on your mood. But what is your favorite song to listen to prior to a match?
1: Uh, I'm actually like a huge oh not huge but I like a Avicii a little Levels uh, Avicii going mm-hmm. you yeah, know I have a remix that sort of gives me hyped up. I used to be like a lot more uh, you know excited hyped up but more um, as I long through my career, um, sort of, you know, I'll listen to music and everything, but not too close to the game. And then I'll sort of like look through my notes, uh, you know, sort of before the game and sort of my roles and responsibilities sort of remind me because I think a lot of times you get too hyped up and maybe this is just from experience. You know, I learned this through experience. You get hyped up and then you forget, you know, what your rules are. You're not unclear. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you miss, you missed your assignment on something. But uh, once I, you know, get back into the locker room and everything, I'm mostly just looking at my notes that I put in my notepad during the week and then sort of reminding my rules. But, um, you know, levels of Vichy, definitely something that, you know, I get going.
0: Man, you've been hanging out with the butcher quite often, apparently, <laughs> because that's, that was almost exactly his answer. He's like, I really don't listen to music. He goes, Well, it depends on my mood. He goes, But right, you know, an hour before uh, match kickoff, I'm looking at my notes. I'm looking at everything we talked about the week before. So maybe it's just, maybe it's a hooker thing or it, maybe it's just a Rooney culture thing, which is nice to see that it is about professionalism. And I think that was the difference between um, year one last year and then the beginning of year two from, from an outsider's perspective, you guys, a lot of the guys came in already fit and shape. Um, they didn't really have to lose that much weight or get into that much shape. They just kind of had to be rounded out. And um, they coached the new guys up about how, how you're supposed to be playing as a professional. I think last year there was a lot of hype because you, it was new to a lot of guys. Um, on the team, but this year there was more of a, just a mindset of we're going to go and we're going to work, and, and it was noticeable through the first five matches, to, at least to a fan like me, um, so it's nice to see.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, speaking of that, um, what do you think – I'm going I'm, – again, I'm going off script here because I have you here and you you have great opinions and, and you've – because you've been with Rooney for two years and, and your role and, and, and being with the fans, what do you think – we can do to create more rugby fans in the States besides going with the youth program? Do you think of, you know, television exposure? Do you think it's a matter of, you know, getting guys like Drew Mitchell to come over or how, how do you think, what do you, what's your opinion? Um,
1: I think, you know, something that just sort of hit my, uh, sort of realized, you know, there's like this Facebook group, uh, the quarantine ruggers on Facebook where people yeah. are juggling beers. I think there's so many fans or fans, there's so many rugby people in that group. But how many of that actually go watch rugby? There's a huge disconnect there, and that's something what the U.S. community sorta of needs to realize. You know, these people like to be on team; they're not competitive team. You know, team environment. They may not mm-hmm. be huge of the game, but you need to connect those people with the M.L.R. You know, with the M.L.R. watching it. So I think the crowd's actually there to start up. I think you're probably only hitting currently right now. Um, if I had to guess, maybe forty percent of your rugby population per market. But you need to, mm-hmm. I think, connecting. Those fan, those people on Facebook that has I forget the number of it. It's well over three hundred thousand, you know. And most of them are yeah. for the states. How do you connect those people into the M L R? So I think you just need to do a lot of community outreach, a lot of education, a lot of reaching with the clubs, the D three clubs. That means you know doing a coaching session with them uh, <laughs> to sort of connect with them, sharing the knowledge from the down. But that also comes with more resources. Um, I know that M L R. You know, it's a startup. So, um, yeah. you know, you can't just do everything all at once. It's a process everyone realizes, but, um, sort of having those, you know, that coach education. So they have that connection and they have the knowledge because mm-hmm. I think they do the same with England. Right. So someone from the Wasp, they're in the Wasp will come down to, you know, whatever, uh, youth rugby or whatever D3 club in, in England mm-hmm. would, you know, they sort of learn and there's their connection, you know? Oh yeah, here you go. Your club gets, you know, 10 tickets right here and then yeah. they show up or they pay for it and sort of like a buy-in you get co- coach education and then you'll get tickets you know you buy into the program or something like that So i think connecting that there's a lot out there i think rugby community out there that the mlr hasn't hit and a lot of it's education missing there's a lot of people out there but like i said it's not a diss to mlr because i know the, uh, all the guys in the in mlr and all the teams have so many things going on <laughs> and it's, it's resources what you got to do next but eventually down the road they, uh, that's how you sort of solve it
0: absolutely I, th- I think you're absolutely correct in that and I think one of the small things they did this season at least for Rooney I don't know if it affects some of the other MLR teams but being in the New York area you have like seven huge rugby clubs what do they what day do they play on Saturdays Yep. So it's kind of tough to have a, a professional match schedule that let's say 1 p.m. on a Saturday, and then half your fan base is playing their own matches. So I know this particular season in 2020, we actually had it. We were going to have a lot of home matches on Sundays. And I think that a small change like that, where you can actually tell the guys to come over and actually watch, versus really struggling because you know you you know would you want to play on a on a whatever division club team you're on and then go to Brooklyn and watch a professional play. No, not really. You want to have the social, you want to go home and you want to rest. So I think just a little change like that. And I think it's um, individually driven by each market, depending on how their culture is, those things can bring those fans back into the fold. But definitely, I think you're right with the resources eventually going down the road. I think you'll have guys like Mike Petri, uh, Chris Mattina, who coach. Um, You could put them on a a D2 or D3 team just for a week and say, hey, we're going to try this stratagem of practicing, see how it works in in, in your match, and then you can go from there. And it it brings the support around the club, um, even to guys like me who would play D3. And, and it's, a, it's a buy-in process. We've seen that you bought into our local area. Yeah, I
1: think also you know, yeah, so it's really really nice does a really good job of it, too. I think and someone has to do with owning your own field. Uh, but, you know, I would mm-hmm. run, you know, youth camps. The guys who don't play on that, let's say, Sunday, right, don't play on that Sunday. And let's say it's like a 4 o'clock game, you know, 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. they're there for a youth camp for a couple hours, sort of connecting, and then they stay for the game. Sort of stuff like mm-hmm. that. and You can have multiple games going on. If you had pre- pitches, sort of like what Houston is, the stadium, and they have multiple pitches. Oh, outside. yeah. You can actually host some games out there. You can, you know, sort of connect, maybe have a youth clinic. And then it sort of all ties into the big, big show right there. Because, the you know, the kids say, the parents say. So um, that's something that I would, you know, we were trying to figure out through the Rooney Academy, um, throughout maybe having, like, you know, practices before the game. And then the parents would show up and their kids. So stuff like that, I think, could be very beneficial.
0: Definitely. Houston, I think, is a good example of how they do that because not only do they do that prior to matches, they have like uh, once the summer or the, the, I think during the spring break of their um, elementary school kids, they do a five-day like rugby camp, youth camp. So all the kids who aren't going away for that spring break, you come down, you do the youth camp with the players. Um, you know, It's prior to their regular practices and they, they schedule it so that way they, have a, they cap it off with a home game. Then all the kids come to a home game and it's a really good um, use of their time. Uh, use of their resources and and get the kids involved. So I think uh, Houston and Seattle are definitely uh, programs that people should model after in in the way they get youth and and new fans to come into the the league here. Um, So we're going to go back to some of my regularly scheduled programming here. And uh, uh, how do you and your teammates make practice fun? Because I know Greg uh, has like a tight ship on on almost a minute by minute way of, of what you're supposed to be doing. So how do you guys make it fun?
1: I mean, I mean, I enjoy rugby in general. Rugby is fun. So this is the time you get the. I think rugby, you, you get to express yourself. So, um, you know, keeping – I mean, stretching light. Ian Jones does a good job of that. Mike Cullen does a good of that, of keeping the light and fun and everything. But, um, you know, this is professional, so, you know, you have to enjoy what you're doing. So this is, you know, probably like a butcher tells it all the time, this is the best job you're ever going to have right here. So I make every situation, every practice, even if it's, you know, 20 degrees out there, you still got to make it fun. It's rugby. You get to express yourself. So, um, you know, I just, like I said, rugby is an expressive game. You can sort of let your game do the talking and, and enjoy it. So um, I just have fun just playing rugby in general.
0: Awesome. Uh, it, it's funny because your experience in rugby is completely different from my experience playing in college. We're a Division four team up in Massachusetts. So, And we did play in the freezing cold. So nine times out of ten we had to keep a little drink on the sideline uh, during <laughs> practice. So that, that always made it a little interesting. Somebody hit the bottle a little too hard during practice, <laughs> but um, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this maybe this is an individual player answer. You know, maybe maybe some guys would have a different answer. But do you think it helps you prepare uh, and and focus on what's going on in practice, knowing that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen next? Meaning, you know, the schedule is: you're stretching for ten minutes, then you're running individuals for twenty minutes, then you're running in your your groups for whatever, another 10 minutes. And knowing that in between that, there's subsects of you're going to do this in your groups, this in your individuals, because you don't have to think about it. Do you think you get a better practice out of it?
1: Yeah, I think we already know what's going on. We know what, it just makes you focus on the situation. If we're mm-hmm. just doing a kick battle, if we're just doing scrums, or if we're just working in, you know, maybe lineouts, outs or we're, we're just working our shape, we know what attention detail we have to have and where we have to have it. So it gets that mindset, right? And uh, I think it just prepares you better for a practice, you know, just like the same thing off like a, you know, a test, you know what things are going to come your way. Are you going to be prepared? You know, you don't, you don't know exactly what type of questions are going to happen. Just like if you're attacking, you don't know what the defense is going to show you, but you're going to be prepared because you know, sort of what the subject is going to be about. So I think that just, you know, makes it, you know, everything, everyone knows, all right, we're going to be out here for 75 minutes. That's it. We don't need, you know, you know, we've all been in those practices where, it's, where we're doing some type of kickoff or some type of, drill it's like one more one more one more you know i think you know i think we can get you know in coaching philosophy you can get sort of off track by doing one more one more it puts the onus on the players like hey in games it's not always going to be we're going to the last one's going to be perfect that's not realistic mm-hmm. i think that does a good job on the players like if you want to have a good session we're only having x amount of reps you got to complete an x amount of reps and if it's the last one's bad then there we go you got to leave on it next time you have to be prepared to, to execute so i think that's you know having a yep. plan is always great
0: Awesome. Um, so, we're coming up to, to the last couple questions here. So, I'm I'm not sure if you have uh, pre match butterflies, but is there anything besides the music or or going through your notes if you're if you're feeling that that those butterflies in your stomach that you do to kind of calm them a little bit?
1: Um, I do, I mean, if you I think you know who said that maybe maybe Tiger Woods said it that if you don't have pre match butterflies then it doesn't really mean anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So of course, like if you know, before the kickoff or anything, you want to have the pre-match butterflies. Um, I'm just breathing, you know, just remember my role, remember why I'm there. And, uh, you know, I think not to remind myself, you know, don't be afraid to make the big play. I think guys, you know, sort of sometimes don't want to make the big play out there, especially, you know, a lot of times in in my Rooney career, I've, you know, had a transition go to the bench and come off the bench. That's a totally different mindset than Mm -hmm. it started. So you can't get hyped up in the beginning of the game um, as much, you know, you get hyped up during warm up. Help the guys warm up, yourself warm up. But like, you know, you're sitting for the next, you know, 50 60 minutes. So you have to be ready, ready, and uh, you have to know yourself, know your role, and know when, you know, take your shot to make that big play.
0: So is that the mindset you had when you went to Houston and uh, effectively won uh, the match? I mean, is that?
1: You know I sort of, you know, that's I think that's scouting the opponent too. I sort of know and that's sort of the mindset uh, we have a mindset. This is the line speed, but I sort of knew the, the guy I saw, you know, from the sidelines, you know you got to be paying attention to the match and sort of understanding what's coming up. That's, that's your coming up a bench is a totally different responsibility. So I think guys, you know, I wasn't, if I had failed, then I failed. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking like, all right, I'm in the system. I can do it. Like it's there, take it. And that's what yeah. I sort of did. Um, I think sometimes, you know, maybe that's just experience, but maybe in later in my career, I wouldn't want to make the mistake because potentially guys think, especially in that environment. Oh, if I make a mistake, then they think the consequences, they think maybe I won't get playing time, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't think about the failure to think about the success. And you trust, you trust your own. Uh, if you put in the time and the preparation, you trust your own knowledge, preparation, your own reads. And then there, that's how you can make the play. But yeah, that's just based on instinct. You know, I, I pride myself, you know, if a team needs a, you know, a play and we need a play, then that's what I'm going to, you know, that's what I'm going to do if it's mm-hmm. in the system.
0: I think it's your instinct and when – I don't think you realize it at the time, but you have an innate feeling of where you are on the field. And I think it's one of those things, it's a risk versus reward. If you didn't make the play, they weren't going to go all the way down the field on you. Guys were going to catch them. So you could make the mistake of, of trying to make that play, blow it, and you would still have the safety net of some guys versus if Dev was on the inside of your own 22. So I think it's one of those things where it's instinct. you kind of doing in the back of your head. I could take this chance. They're not ready for it, and obviously if, if you make the play, it's going to be a big one. And if you don't, it's not necessarily going to set you back, you know, in the worst terms, um, which is one of those things I said about Ben Foden's big. Everybody talks about Ben Foden in the first match, and, oh, you know, the coaches always tell you, you know, never let the kick bounce. And I'm like, yeah, but how many of you guys have played over in that field in Las Vegas? Because I would have let every kick bounce at that point, um, and it was just a bad bounce. I, have, have nobody – Everybody I've talked to, nobody's ever seen on a second bounce, hitting the post and coming back into somebody's hands. Yeah. So I think it was just, uh, I think Ben took his calculated risk and that 1% of it failing popped up on him. And that was just, you know, again, I think it was instinct. I don't think it was a bad play read. I just think sometimes the ball doesn't go your way. And in your case, the ball went right your way. And then Marcus Walsh went in and sealed the deal for you.
1: Yeah. I, you know, um, just like I'll the, tell you this: and we're screaming our heads well, we off. I get around Marcus. You know how I set him up last year in Austin. You know he's just always <laughs> with the tries. Yeah. You know,
0: he owes me. It's, he's, you know, what? and he he's another one where I think his instinct kicks in as soon as he we get the the that Rooney gets the ball after a turnover. His instinct is to look for that little sliver because he is a slight guy to get through. And he figures if I can make one or two guys miss, I can reset the ball where I want it. Um and I think his instinct has matured now that he has gotten more playing time, and your instinct has definitely matured as you've gotten more playing time. So I'm glad that you guys, the younger guys, are getting in. Um, honestly, I think you could make a good eight man. That's just me. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they could throw you in. You're very a uh, versatile person uh, on you know, the rugby pitch, in my mind. Um, and I mean, let's be honest. We had Basta back there at center. So, I mean, technically you could play center. <laughs> you you're, you're, you you had a couple LBs uh, under him. So, <laughs> and then uh, we're just going to my last question. Um, I think this is a, a great question for professional athletes. Um, should Should be asked this question every time they get interviewed. Um, how does being an athlete make you a better person?
1: Athlete makes you a better person. Um makes you think more about the team, you know. Um, they, you know, I think you – start with the golden rule. You treat everybody um, with respect how you'd like to be treated and sort of realizing, you know, not everyone is going to be, um, you know, as you transition, you know, it's different phases. It's that's a hard question to say, because, you know, a lot of us, I think in this Rooney environment, you know, whether in high school or college, you're the best player on the team. And then when you go to, you know, professional, that's always not going to be the case. And some people from the outside don't really understand that, but not all the time you're going to be the superstar. So what can you do to help the team are, you know, your ego is not bigger than the team. So if the team needs to do something that week that's different, then you need to step aside because, you know, your personal outcome is not bigger than the team. So I think that I realized as a teamwork environment that you need to have that maturity and mindset be like, all right, what, if this is the best part of the team, then what, you know, I need to follow that. Why am I here? I'm winning, you know, personally winning is the most important thing for me. I love to win. I really hate to lose, but if the best thing, you know, for the team is from, you know, for a matchup for me to do this role or whatever you know san diego spent, you know a flank flanker role then that's what i need to do you know that's yeah. the best, you know i trust my captain i trust my coaches you know that's the best thing going to do even though that's not your primary position so i think realizing that you know no one's bigger than the team you have to be you know you need to put your ego aside your ego is not your amigo so I think that's sort of, you know, the mindset I sort of have. And I think that can transition, uh, you know, other players, you know, because all you're thinking about, I think it's just American mindset in general. You know, you, what's your stats? You know, what you, mm-hmm. you know how many touchdowns yeah. how many rushing, you know, did you get? You know, there's more things to that in the game. And I think it's particularly rugby that you can't quantify as stats. You know, you're doing your job. So I think there's a lot of things about doing your job and being a teammate that take you along take you far away uh, as becoming a professional athlete.
0: Well, that's. I think, in my opinion, Nate Brakley was the MVP of the league this year for the simple fact that I think he was in like on offensive and defensive side of the ball, something like ninety percent of the breakdowns. I, th- I think he was either second or third in tackles in the league, or he might have led at one point. Um, and just the simple fact that I think he played every match, every single minute as a loss. I mean, it, it, it's it's. It's ridiculous. I mean, that that kind of stuff, like, that's what you want to show youth children. This is how you're supposed to play. Because, you know, he has these uh, different things he could do as far as being a jumper, which is, is really God-given. You know, you're, you're given the height. Him, Matt working. Trevor Cassidy, Alex Mack. You know, I'm not blessed with that height. So being given the height, working on that as far as, you know, working on the set piece for that, and then being able to say my conditioning is so well – uh, so uh, my conditioning it, it has been worked on so well that I can help the team in a way of just being a stabilizing force on there. I mean, talk about working out for the team. I mean, you guys had it. You had you, Rob. Let's see. I want to say you played multiple positions. Rob played multiple positions. And this is only going through five matches. Butcher played Hooker and 8-man at one point. You had Boston. play Playing center and eight men, you had uh, Nate going from the flank over back to the inside, which I always felt is his natural position. But I know he's an older guy, so flank is a little bit easier. On. played a little lock. Um, yeah, Sumption played a, played a little lock as well um, when when Trevor and Alex went down. So I think the forwards have more of an opportunity to do that based because there's there's the size differences yeah. aren't as dramatic and their skill sets aren't as dramatically different for some positions. But you could see that when they threw somebody in, you didn't hear anybody complaining. You didn't hear Basta complain, oh, you're going to take me out of the back line. He went in at number eight. Him and Marcus, I think, worked particularly well in the last four matches together. And I think when one of them had an indecision, like if, if Marcus couldn't decide whether he was going to pick it or take it, Basta would pick it. And if Basta was looking at the at the ball and saying, I don't know if I should pick it, Marcus Marcus would pick it and take it and do what he did. And I think that symbiotic uh, relationship with everybody is is, is what – the MLR is about what Rooney is about in particular. And um, I, I love the fact that we have guys like you. We have guys uh, like Will Burke, younger guys who are coming up, who are really putting a professional stamp on this sport in this country, which we haven't seen. And then you still have the old horses. You have Nate Breakley. Hanko came in um, and did his crazy Hanko things. And I think it's it's – as a fan, it, it warms my heart to know that there's a next set of guys coming up to do this, whether it's the national track on 15s or 7s, whether it's sticking in the MLR, or maybe, honestly, I think there's an opportunity for you to go outside the MLR at some point in the next couple of years as you as you build on your current resume here. Um, sure. So I'd just like to thank you so much. Uh, congratulations again on your nuptials. You're never going to forget you had your quarantine <laughs> wedding, and it was awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to say to the fans?
1: No, I really just appreciate all every, everyone who shows the sport. It really does mean a lot to us. We appreciate just, you know, you get involved in rugby. Uh, there's a lot, you know, we do see a lot of work that the fans are trying to get into and support it. So us as the players, we really appreciate it. Um, if you see us stop by, you know, we'll, we'll welcome you. Um, you know, we'll talk to you and we, we want to connect with you. So we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, we appreciate the rooster boosters. Definitely.
0: All right. Thanks, Mike. And I'll see you soon. All right.
1: All right. Thanks, Scott.